1: You're listening to the Patriot Nation podcast.
2: Hey, welcome into to another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast, of course, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Sports. Uh, go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. Uh, and today, it's, it's your boy, Pat Lane, as always, with my guy, Matt St. Jean. And today, we are joined by an incredibly special guest, Pete Ryder for WEI, a co-host of the Six Rings podcast, and newly engaged, Mike Cadwick yeah, yeah. <laughs> to talk about the Patriots moving on uh we have we have a new a new uh engagement and a, a new separation uh of oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots of course uh is out as the head coach after twenty four seasons. It's it's kind of crazy. But welcome in Mike. We uh we love having you on Sarah. It's good to see you again. Yeah thanks for uh
0: thanks for having me. What a uh what a day to do it. We we planned this earlier in the week. We didn't know what was going to happen and so uh glad to do it on uh one of the more monumental days in in Boston sports history. So thanks for having me guys.
2: Yep, It's, it's one of those, it's definitely one of those days where it's like, you know, where were you when you found out that, you know, Belichick got fired and, or, Whatever. Whatever. let's do I mean, it was everybody it, awake
0: right? for it I'm i'm gonna was everybody uh, awake for it or did somebody roll over and see a twitter notification how did this go down uh, for you ben?
1: i was so i was on twitter when it was announced but i was looking at them announcing the london games so i had just mm-hmm. like copied the tweet the link to the tweet about the london opponents being announced <sighs> i was about to send it to people because there's two teams and they're hosting games the patriots play on the road next year which is something we're not going to unpack until a later date um But I went to send that to somebody and then I opened Slack and saw that somebody had just sent the Bill Belichick tweet. I was like, oh, and then I went back to Twitter and it was the next one down and I had missed it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. so I I have to be at work uh, for 715. And so I was I was obviously on the road. And the funny thing is, is that I never had my phone in my hand during my commute. I always listen to a podcast or music or whatever. And my phone's always off the other uh, the other way. Right. And so um, but. This morning, my wife thought we're trying to get tickets to my uh, for my to a concert for my son over the, for the summer. She thought that there was a giveaway on Kiss One Hundred Eight, so I was listening to Kiss One Hundred Eight, which is just not recommended for morning listening. But nevertheless, <laughs> I mean, I have my phone in my hand because I had to like call them or whatever. And all of a sudden, I get a notification on my phone. I'm like, "What the hell, dude? I'm like, oh my god, they fired!" Us. So I, so yeah, so I was I was wide awake driving to school and i was like holy crap i'm like now so, what and then i'm like who do i call i don't just don't want to call you
0: know? <laughs> it's crazy it was it was not so i uh so me i've been like hunkered down the last like four three four days not really hunkered down but you know sitting at the computer like doing yeah. the you know reading the news and like kind of writing some stuff every time something leaks, and just kind of keeping every everything up to date and so me and me and my fiance woke up this morning to go for a run because we're training for a marathon and so we we're on like a regimented schedule it was like up and early she's an accountant so she's in her busy season it's like starting this week and so Mm -hmm. we got up early and I was like all right this is perfect you know you get up you get the run done we were scheduled for like a five mile run today and so we get up we leave the house at seven I was like, "All right, we'll get this over with. I'll go back, shower, and then we'll wait and see what happens." And <laughs> literally, like quarter mile into the run, I, I I get a buzz on my watch, and it's Adam Sheffer. and I'm like, "Uh," and I was like, "I gotta go." And she's like, "What?" I was like, "Bill's gone. Bill's gone." And so I just turned the other way and ran back to our apartment. And <laughs> that's incredible. That's so yeah. Like, how far
1: into the run were you?
0: I I have to do my five miles tomorrow because I did like a quarter of a mile and I was done. So it was, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> that's I, incredible. I gotta, yeah, so I can't take a rest day on a Friday now because I, I had to run back for Bill. But oh, I, I'm now we're no, here.
1: If you had done like a mile of your run too, and you had to run back a mile, that would have, that would just be. I know brutal. I was
0: lucky that it was like halfway. It was like halfway, <laughs> so we have to do like a longer run this weekend. And I was like, I'm gonna get like halfway through that. I'm gonna be halfway across the freaking. know, wherever. And then they're going to announce like Mayo and I'm going to have to run all the way back.
2: Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, just luck of the draw, right. In that situation. So yeah, it was crazy. And then I'm driving, right. So I can't tweet or send anything out or whatever. So I'm like, now what, you know? So, um, but Hey, it was, you know, it's, it's a crazy time. I do think, and I think Mike, you're on board with this. And I think you've said this before too. Like, I think the timing was right. I think it was it was the right timing for everyone involved. It did, I really did like seeing them at the podium together today. I thought that it, it seemed very genuine to me. It seemed like they actually respected each other. That it was really coming from a place where they, you know, really kind of came to the decision together, and it wasn't, you know, Belichick's getting fired as as you know Matt Felgerman said this afternoon. Or, you know, Robert Kraft is too cheap to whatever. You know, it, it, that wasn't the case, I don't think. I think Bill looked at the roster and said, I want to get I want to get my next 14 wins. And I don't know if that's going to happen in the next two years with the Patriots. And Kraft looked at it and said, yeah, the drafting and the coaching hasn't been great the last few years. And I think we're ready to move on. And I think they both kind of looked at it and said, that's the way it goes, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I mean – uh, while I agree with that to an extent, I do think that at the end of the day, if Kraft never really pushed for it, that maybe Bill would have came back and said, "You yeah. know what? I will stay." Like so. Uh, on one hand, I I do kind of think maybe it was you know from the from the team or the Kraft side of things that you know they sort of says, "All right, we do want to move on," and maybe it took a, a day or a second or whatever for Bill to be like, "Yeah, this is the right decision." But I mean, I'm with you as far as. The way they stood up there together and, you know, there was there was hugs and there were smiles and, and there was almost a kiss until Kraft <laughs> realized that Bill was sick. But uh, no, I, I'm with you. Like it, it was it was nice to see it not happen as ugly as, you know, we may have thought it could have yeah. been. Where like, you know, Kraft's trying to get everything out of Bill and, you know, get a trade involved or Bill really, you know, we made a lot. And, you know, I did too of Bill's comments earlier this week saying I'm under contract. And I kind of took that at one point for him. He was going to play hardball. And he was saying, I'm under contract. You either have to fire me or I'm staying. But at the end of the day, I think that, you know, whether he was setting that up on Monday or not, I'm sure that, you know, the talks they had over the last 72 hours kind of made him realize and the crafts realize that, look, like we've done this for so long. We built, you know, as as Bill said, beyond his wildest dreams, the best, you know, football sports dynasty ever. And it was just time, and that's kind of that's kind of where I sit right now. It's like it it does suck, and you know we were talking, you know, before we started recording, me and Matt, how you know we're twenty six and twenty five, and this is all we know, and it kind of is just hitting us now. Like it's now you know almost ten o'clock, and this has been going on for you know over twelve hours, and it's still kind of a shock, and it's it's crazy, but it it just feels. I guess like it was right as much as it sucks. Like, you know, it kind of just had to be done. And I think, I think unlike the Brady decision, I think both sides will actually probably be better for this. Like, I think it's, it's good for the Patriots to move on here. And that necessarily wasn't the case when they moved on from Brady. One,
1: one of the things that I think would be, you know, interesting to ask here, if we had some truth serum and we could talk to both parties would be. How was Malcolm Butler (laughs) benched? That that, that's always going to be number one. (laughs) Um, But the other question would be, how does this go if Bill Belichick is 62 next season and not 72 next season? Because I think that that's um, for all of the the issues that we've seen under Belichick and the the poor decisions and poor personnel moves and the coaching issues the last four years. um, I think Kraft would kind of give him the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways long term just because of his history. And I think that's where the timing of this becomes so Mm -hmm. tough. Belichick is looking at this and I need 14, 15 more wins to get this Mm -hmm. record. And I want to do that before I retire. And the, you look at the roster and the Patriots are not getting that anytime soon. And now Bill's probably got two more, three more seasons left. If you draft a rookie quarterback for a coach who's trying to win now, who also will not be there for the whole life of the rookie contract, that just does not make sense unless you have something so thoroughly rock solid in place behind the scenes that you can feel confident in whoever the next guy is. And you're have a whole succession plan in place. And you now projecting one year out in the NFL was hard enough projecting out three, four or five years to have a perfect succession plan in place to take care of a potential future quarterback to make sure everything gets handed off nicely is so hard to do. Um, that. It does. Like I agree. I feel like this is the best for both parties. The bandit yeah, get uh, ripped off at some point. You do it well, with a full reset for a new quarterback and new offense, and Bill gets to go chase history with uh, whatever team he wants to.
0: Yeah, I think if they had gone eight and nine this year too, they would have. You know, would have been a different conversation. Say they were yeah. picking fifteenth uh, in the draft right. order, and they didn't have an opportunity to go get you know a potential franchise changing quarterback or have all this cap space like yeah i mean you're right matt it's it, the timing of it mixed in with bill's age is so crucial because you know you can look at it and say, well, yeah, let's give him another chance and what if he can succeed with a with a rookie quarterback but then you look at his age and it, it's kind of i'm just regurgitating what you just mentioned but the timing of you know where they are in the draft order and how much cap space they have and what bill wants versus what the craft, like the crafts kind of need to rebuild this where bill is looking for some quick wins and get out of here and let me go to Nantucket so it just it's I, all yeah, yeah it just makes sense
1: when you mentioned the eight and nine thing too i think if this team was better you can talk yourself into all right we're gonna go sign kirk cousins this off season and we're gonna use that draft pick and take a tackler receiver or whatever and we're gonna go all in on the short window or maybe we trade the pick and go get a receiver or whatever we're gonna go all in on a, a short window because we know that with a couple pieces we can go from eight and nine to 11 and six, get into the playoffs and make some noise. Right. And you just can't do that when you're four and 13. And in some ways, I I feel like I said this, I mean, early on in the season too, I feel like the measuring stick in some ways was what the New York jets did. We know that, you know, nobody in that Pat's front office likes the jets. And when you finish behind a jets team that went all in this season and lost their quarterback four plays into the season and you split with them and you lose at home, um i think that's kind of if there's if there was like a tie in the thought process for craft that feels like the tiebreaker that's gonna go against keeping bill around
2: (laughs) right yeah um one thing holly mentions here that it hit her tonight right and and like someone passed right and i'll tell you my mom i I talked to my mom this morning and my mom like literally was crying this morning (laughs) like you know and I, i i know it's a little it's a little much right but It does. It feels to a lot of people like they're losing a family member, like they're losing a loved one, right? Because Bill's been here for so long. He's given so much success, so much, you know, winning. I mean, look, Bill, the Patriots won so much with Belichick and Brady that Patriots fans wouldn't be caught dead wearing a conference champions hat or t-shirt. Like, think about that. Like, you're talking about a conference, if you're one of the two best teams in the league, and it's like, there is a 0% chance I'm wearing that thing because who cares about winning the freaking AFC? We want to win the championship, right? And so that's the standard that was set by Belichick and Brady. And, you know, obviously, we just felt as though we were always going to win when we had Bill and Brady here. And to lose that... Of course brady's already gone and now to lose to a bill is just kind of the end of an era and and it's so you know it's, it's tough
0: yeah it is I mean, me and my me and my friends have this conversation you know you mentioned the afc championship team and when antonio pierce became the head coach interim in uh, vegas and they started they were smoking cigars after their first win i was yeah. like and some like half my friends myself included were like that's awesome like you know it, like new coach, new regime, yeah. like let's have some fun. But then another part of my friend group was like, "No, you don't celebrate regular season victories. You should be pissed that this <laughs> is the Super Bowl yet." And like, and I was just, it's like that's what's baked into your mind is like, yeah. don't. It's it's just, it is a slow grind. It is one game at a time until you officially win the championship. And it was that's all because of Belichick, and that was his his mindset. Brady's mindset, this team's mindset for 25 years. We don't celebrate until it's done. And it, I saw, I was watching a uh, one of the many you know montages today about this this run they had, and it was when I think it was the the final Super Bowl they won uh, with with Brady in uh, against the Rams, and they showed it was like a a screen grab of just Belichick's kind of face and body, and r- until Brady took the final knee he was full game game mode, like no emotion, right. like watching it happen. And you hear the, the play-by-play, like over, like dubbed over his reactions. And finally they say, and Brady takes a knee in the game. And as soon as it's the one, like his hands go up, he starts running around, but he did not do anything. He had no emotion until the game actually ended. And that was just, it's like, that's the epitome of it. It's, it's all work until we actually win our championship.
2: Yeah, I mean, and yeah, I, totally true.
1: When I think there's um, to touch on the other big coaching news of the week with Nick Saban there at Alabama. There's such a parallel too. is watching all the montages of him and his reactions after they win. Um, and, you know, that it, it's funny to watch the both of those guys approaching these things so mm-hmm. similarly, which makes sense because they're both the greatest of all time for their level of the sport. Guys who had unbelievable dynasties around the same time who coached together and learned together having that same mindset. um, You know, they're just the culture that comes with you look at the old, the old Patriots clips and inside the locker room from like the O three and O four seasons and they're on a historic winning streak. And they're like six and one or whatever. And you got Belichick in the locker room being like six wins means nothing in this league. Like Mm -hmm. we got, we got a lot of more games to go. That doesn't get you anything. And, you know, as a fan, you're watching They're like, oh, it's are six and one. We're going to the Super Bowl. Like this team's so good. And it's so different from the approach on the inside. It's so, so professional. Um, And, you know, that's, I think it's going to be the big question going forward. What does the culture look like? Um, um, We can segue that into who the new hire could be if you guys want. But um, what, what it should look like, what it could look like, how that influences the hires. In a lot of ways, the most interesting thing here, given some of the reporting about, the culture not being as strong the last year or two. Well, that's kind
0: of where, like, the whole thing with, well, do we give Bill another year, and can we kind of hold on to this one last time? I think that the writing on was kind of on the wall culture-wise. And I, not that, you know, Bill can't win. Like, I think he'll go win elsewhere. I do. I think he's going to have success wherever he goes. I think he can rebuild a culture. I think – I think the way he runs a football team is correct. I just think that we keep using the, you know, the perfect storm thing. I just think it kind of ran its course here. And I think that that culture, it was starting to break a little bit because when you don't win, like that's the key. Yeah, exactly. Like this Mm -hmm. culture you build, it's, it's for some people, it's not for others, but it's almost like you can guarantee that you're going to win a Super Bowl. I read something about Saban at Alabama and it's, I'm pretty sure like during his entire time in Alabama, if you stayed, if you stayed four seasons, you won a national championship. Like you can guarantee that. And so that he literally, that's his pitch when that was Saban's pitch. Like when you go to, you know, some of high school seniors living room, like, do you want to win a national title? Then you come here. There's literally numbers that, you know, suggest it. And so I think when the winning starts to die here, the culture, you know, it can start to break a little bit. So that's why I look at, you know, I look at, the options here. And you know, all signs kind of seem to point to Gerard Mayo at this point that uh, Ian Rappaport, you know, wrote or reported earlier tonight that they actually baked into his contracts that he can be the heir apparent and can be the next head coach. And that being in his contract can essentially void the Rooney rule and any external uh requirements for, for uh, candidates. So if they want to they could have made Gerard Mayo the the head coach today and there would have been no repercussions for it so uh, i just wonder and i look at that and it's like okay is it completely bills culture like it can't be and it, it's kind of ha- it's going to have to going to it's going to have to blend between you know this this bill belichick cardinals culture mixed with you know, it's 2023. It is not 2001 anymore. So it's actually not
1: 2023, but it's 2024. Thanks, Matt.
0: And with that, I'm going to go to bed, but like, so it's, you you know, it's, it's a, it is 2024 and it's a, that, you know, that goes to my point. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not the early 2000s anymore. It's, you know, players are different. You have to relate to them more. And I think Mayo being a former player is going to help that cause. So if he can uniquely blend what he knows as a former player mixed with what Bill taught him as a coach, then I think it can succeed. But I it can't just be carbon copied. Like you kind of have to, you know, work with the times here. So yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I think I think I think it's gonna end up being Mayo, but I, I wouldn't write off for Abel either right now.
1: I, I just wanna jump in for a sec here because I hadn't realized this before, but Chad Graff snuck in his article earlier, this line. Now, barring a change of heart from owners Robert and Jonathan Kraft, Mayo will become Belichick's successor. An announcement could come as soon as the middle of next week, which feels as close to a confirmation as yeah. we've gotten on anything here, well, uh, even with a timeline on it.
2: Yeah, I, you know what? I just the the thing is, and I don't know. You know, I'm not sure what where. Obviously, Chad knows a hell of a lot more than I do. That's for sure. But like, <laughs> I, I wonder if. That was written into Mayo's contract last year, which it was. Um, and from all accounts, Mayo is a great leader of men. The guys in the locker room respect the hell out of him. He impressed in his interviews last year when he went and interviewed to places. The Patriots were obviously very impressed with him and, and gave him that contract last year. But I think for me, when he signed that contract, they didn't know that Mike Rabel was going to be available. And so now Mike Vrabel's available. We know Kraft's feelings about Vrabel. We saw Vrabel back here. It certainly sounds like he wants to come back here. Now, you may have to choose between Gerard Mayo and, and, and Mike Vrabel. I don't know who they're going to choose. I don't. But I think you better listen to your players and gauge where their interest is. Mac Wilson per, felt pretty strongly about Gerard Mayo, which makes sense. He's a GM. Uh, he's a he's a GM. He's a, he's a defensive player, right? And and was coached by draw Mayo. But like, you know, do people want to play for rabel do, Will will Vrabel get more respect in the locker room than Mayo will? And I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily true or not. But like, will Vrabel bring guys with him? Do they like the kid Peters in San Francisco? And is he more likely to come here as the GM if Vrabel is the head coach? So there are things that you have to take into account because. Yes, that says it in his contract. And so they're able to just bring him in as the head coach without interviewing anybody. But they don't have to do that. They just say that he they right. can do that is all that says. And so they can still go through the hiring process. Yes, they'd have to follow the Rooney rule and they'd have to do all the – but fine. But that's okay. Um, and so I, I just think for me, you look at it and say, okay, let's, let's see where this goes. I wouldn't be surprised if they were interested in, in Vrabel. And I think Vrabel was interested in them as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Is there a chance that Mayo stays on as the def- as defensive coordinator if Vrabel's here? Probably not. Especially That's when terrifying. I thought it maybe that would be icy. true. Now you're hearing this information about him being the 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 you know taking over for Belichick. I can't imagine he stays after that. But you know, I think there's a, at least a possibility. Is there a possibility that Vrabel comes in as the defensive coordinator for Gerard Mayo? Seems unlikely. Seems like he would be able to get a head coaching job fairly easily. But maybe he says, "Screw it! I don't like any of the jobs out there, and so I'm going to come to New England for a year, still getting paid by Tennessee. I can come and do whatever I want, and then and then go from there." So I think that that's interesting, and I believe the Rooney Rule. Someone asked about it. I believe the Rooney Rule is, is now two. Um, black interviews. I believe you have to give, right? Is it not just one? It used to be just one. Yeah, now I it's believe it's, it's two.
0: Right, it is two. So yeah, even so. if you're
2: interviewing Mayo, that's still not enough. You have to bring in, you know, who, whomever it might be. You know, I think it's two outside the
0: organization as well. I think it's two minorities outside the organization. So, the so, so this is. Even...
1: So my question is: This is that? Is this like a all-or-nothing situation where they can either promote Mayo or they have to go through the whole thing, or can they just? interview whoever they want to interview and then I later think, promote mayo.
2: I think it's I think it's either well, I theoretically you could promote Mayo, but it doesn't matter. Once you go through the whole process, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? So you're saying could they only interview like could they just do Vrabel and Mayo as interviews type thing?
1: Yeah, if that's if it came down to those two, could they just interview those two and then promote Mayo? I I, I suspect the league would have an issue with it, yeah. but I don't really because well, if so, it's a succession plan, the succession plan is gone the second you start interviewing other, other people, people for the job right. <laughs> and then you start to wonder and you know as you were
0: talking through that pat it's like okay so mayo understood last year when he signed his extension that they have a plan for me to be the head coach it's quite literally written and baked into my contract but now oh you know some you know a, a, a shiny new toy is now on the market and well you know gerard we like you but we kind of want to give this guy a chance too does then mayo feel slighted after the after the verbal interview and after that instead of just Right. Promoting him from within, like they plan to, and like they wrote in his contract, they say, Well, no, we kind of want to see this through. And if they can, I guess, you know, politely say that to him, like, Look, we do just want to exhaust all our options here. Maybe Mayo's fine with it. And at the end of the day, he becomes the head coach and it's no big deal. But if you even try and go through the Mayo interview, maybe that pisses Mayo off. And he says, Well, maybe I don't want this here because you didn't actually want me as much as we thought. And that's why this whole variable thing really does you know, throw a wrench into this. It's like yeah, it, on one hand, it, it seems so easy that it should be Mayo. And now all of a sudden you get, you know, reporting that Vrabel doesn't want, you know, or excuse me, Vrabel and uh, the Patriots have mutual interest. And maybe Vrabel does want to be here. And then he actually not only at one point when this started to kind of circulate, Vrabel was still with the Titans. Now they just fired him and he is a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. And so it, it does. And, I wonder where they go because you're right, Pat, like they have a, an infatuation with Vrabel and Vrabel has an infatuation with this team. And so it, it could kind of go off the rails quickly, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we'll have to see, but uh, it's, it's certainly interesting. All
1: right. I think there are three like kind of complicating factors with the Mayo part too. I think the first is that when they add that clause to his contract, nobody expects to be invoking it a year later. Uh, you're thinking this is two, three, four years down the road. We're talking yeah. about doing this. And he mayo has probably less experience now than they thought he might have when they were going to be invoking this. And that might change the minds of some of the decision makers. The second part is that, uh, you know Albert Breer sports illustrated had reported earlier about some tensions inside the locker room with the other coaches after he was, after this clause was added, which, uh, you know, if there if the idea was we're going to add this, and in three years he's going to be the head coach, and he's going to get the experience, and he's going to work around these guys, and it's all going to be perfect. That's one thing. It's another thing if he's not getting along with the guys in the locker room, and if there actually is an issue there. Uh, and the last part, building off of that, is what the staffs would look like. Uh, I would assume um, Bill Belichick is going to want to take at least some of the people currently in that building to right. go with him wherever else he goes. I would also assume that if Gerard Mayo or Mike Vrabel is your head coach, they're going to want to keep some of the people in that building. And negotiating that is going to be a tricky thing. And um, if Tron May was going to be the next guy, and if Bill Belichick was on board with that, I have to wonder if some kind of preliminary negotiations on, you know, how we split up the kids in the divorce. So, right. so to say uh, yeah. those discussions already started with Bill and Kraft about how to proceed here. Cause I think that's, I don't know who fills out these staffs and who ends up in the GM office, I feel like are in some ways bigger questions here than who ends up the head coach. I think you can, I think you can get a guy who's qualified to be a head coach here with no issues. Um, How they fill out the staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball is big on the defensive side of the ball. I think you'd like to maintain the culture and success that you've seen, and you don't want to shake that up in the process. And, you know, balancing those for whoever it is making these calls is going to be uh, quite a balancing act. (laughs)
0: Here's my here's my easy, um, you know, off the top of my head right now prediction on who at least is the, mm. the core coaches for each staff. And I'm going to say that on Belichick staff, it's Bill Belichick as the head coach, Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator and Steve Belichick as the defensive coordinator. And then Mayo stays here, and he has Bill O'Brien stay on as his OC, and then they promote DeMarcus Covington as the defensive coordinator. Who Covington, while he hasn't called plays, and it's sort of been Mayo and Steve's thing here, he's sort of the the third tier on that yeah. uh, defensive coaching staff. He's had some. Uh, he's always on those like NFL Network lists of like up and coming assistants who could be a coordinator next. I, I was think, he
2: the head coach at the Shrine Bowl?
0: Yes, yeah, it was him okay. and Troy Brown were the two. Uh, they were like the the head coaches of each side of the ball, if you okay, will, yeah, and so. Yeah. Um, yeah, Covington—that's what Covington most. So that—that's a guy who I could see become their their DC here if if Steve were to leave and go with uh, Bill, which I would assume that both Brian and Steve will probably follow along with with Bill Belichick. I, w- I would think, but I guess we'll see. Well and
1: so so when I, I
2: actually—I actually think they shouldn't, in my opinion, because I think you know you look at like the Shanahan's, right? And Mike mm-hmm, yeah. said, "Kyle, go get a job somewhere else. I'm not hiring you until you're until you're a good guy. I think he said, I'm not hiring you until you have a top five offense in the league, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, you don't know how good of a coach Steve Belichick is if he's always coaching with his dad, right? And so if you can send him somewhere wherever he goes, if he goes somewhere else and can prove that he's a good coach, well, now he's proven in the NFL he's a good coach. He's not just coaching with his dad. Mm-hmm. He's he's proven that he's a good coach, and I think that that – it may not make a difference, but I, I think that, you know, in some circles, I think that that would go a long way to showing that he actually is a good NFL coach and not just kind of riding his dad's coattails. And I don't know if that's true, but I think that that's kind of – that's what some people in the league think, in my opinion.
1: Well, that's exactly what I was gonna bring up is that you're gonna see a split there at some point. And the question is, do the Belichick kids say, Hey, we got two, three more years with our dad. We're just gonna go where he goes and right. then you get our own things after, or do they say this is the part where we split, and we start to write our own story and they both are plausible. We're gonna know in I don't know, I feel like a week or two what ends up going on there, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but that I think is a big thing to watch because you know who fills out that staff is going to be incredibly important to the future of this team and then I think the other part if Mayo ends up taking a job elsewhere I mean first if it's Vrabel who comes in does Mayo follow Bill as a defensive coordinator does he get hired elsewhere as a defensive coordinator or head coach and if that happens then you know you're probably not bringing anybody back because you assume Belichick's taking people and Mayo is taking people Mm -hmm. from that defensive staff and you're Probably not. If if you return one or two guys, I think you'd feel lucky about it. So that's something. Um, And then I'm going to go back to the Nick Saban situation here too because there was reporting that Bill O'Brien did not get to pick his offensive staff when he came in last year. Now he may get to pick or he and May or he and Vrabel together or whatever may pick an offensive staff if he's sticking around. And there might be a lot of guys at Alabama who are looking for new jobs now who he might be tapping to come up with him to mm-hmm. fill out some of those roles um so i mean that'll be i think it's so complicated so fast there's so many so many good coaches who there's are out so many out.
0: variables
1: there's so many variables
0: to this whole thing and that's what makes it like you know as as like i guess sad is the right word and crazy and you know real as this has become over the last 12 hours it's like okay there are so many dominoes to that are now going to fall because you mentioned right. the staffs and you mentioned too and i i talked about those earlier on you know our our podcast like Every single thing that happens in that building, football operations wise, is from Belichick down. Everything rises to the top to Bill. He controls everything from the meals that are on the table for them to who gets what locker to what time, you know, what time treatment is and who gets where, when, what time the meeting, like every single thing. Even what gets posted on like their social media somehow goes through the football operations to make sure that, you know, everything stays in house and everything is cookie cutter like they want it. And that's gone as of this afternoon. Like Bill doesn't make the decisions there anymore. So right. and, and now granted, they sent the players home and it is the offseason and the, the coaches aren't there. But like, you know, if if uh if Marcus Jones, and I'm gonna use that because he's right behind you, Pat. But like Marcus Jones is like, okay, what time can I come in for treatment today on my uh on my torn labrum? I don't know. Nobody knows. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like does right. is the strength staff reporting for Bill? Are they cleaning house and I'm sure that these are being worked out behind the scenes, but it's it kind of feels like there might be some organized chaos going on in those walls until they sort of hash this out. And I just wonder like who is the point man now? Because for 24 years, Bill Belichick was essentially the point man for the football operation. He is now as of right now not employed by the team. So, it's fascinating and I would love to be a fly on the wall as to, you know, what's actually going on in there. And it, it's exciting because it's – on one hand, it's sad. On the other hand, it's exciting to kind of see, you know, how the how the page turns here for the franchise.
2: 100%. Yeah, it's crazy. So, all right, Mike, we got to get you out of here. But before we do, I want a prediction from you, and we'll go around and We'll kind of both do it. I want a prediction sure. from you. Number one, who's going to be the coach of the Patriots next year? Mm-hmm. And number two, where is Bill Belichick going to coach next year? I want those sure. two things from you before we go, well, we'll go Mike and then Matt and then, and then I'll go last.
0: All right. Um, look, I, I, I would really love for, for what's it called for, uh, I would love for, for able to be the head coach. Like that is my pick, but what I think is going to happen is I, I do think it's going to be Gerard Mayo. I think the tea leaves are all there. I think that, that, uh, what Rappaport reported earlier about the contract is sort of, uh, a bombshell that you know hasn't—I feel like—really got as much traction even as I think it should. Like, mm. for all intents and purposes, Mayo is next in line to be the head coach. Um, right, just to
1: uh, not to cut you off, but do, is there any precedent for that? Like, when's the last time this was yeah. written into somebody's contract? So
0: th- he followed up and basically said that uh, it happened with um, Jim Caldwell and Tony Dungy in Indy okay uh, that happened there and then also when eric DeCosta took over as general manager of the ravens for Ozzie newsome that was yeah, another one it was the same thing so those okay. guys had it baked into their deals and therefore they didn't have to um they didn't have to go for oh. so it so it is it is uh there is precedent for it it has happened it clearly isn't common but um it does happen so that's kind of my why i think look it it feels like all signs point to mayo i think They might have got a little, you know, jolt of, ooh, Mike Frabel's out there. But at the end of the day, this has been their plan all along. They trust in it. You know, they trust their gut. As Kraft says, measure nine times, cut once. That's what they're going to do, and they're going to go with Mayo. So that's my prediction for them. As for Bill, I've gone back and forth on this a lot because I I, (laughs) I look at the, the LA Chargers job with Herbert, and that's as enticing as ever. I know they're in some cap hell, and I know that those guys are old, like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams always gets hurt and things like that, but... If Bill's looking for quick wins and get out of here, the Chargers might be the spot for him. Um, but then, man, I see Atlanta. Like Atlanta keeps coming up lately, and it's East Coast. He's not far. He doesn't have to go cross country. They have pieces on offense. Their defense is pretty good, and they're in a weak division. And that's another one where, like, okay, make the playoffs a couple of years and get out of there. The thing is they need a quarterback. So I've got to beating around the bush because I – don't know where I want to predict Bill to go, <laughs> but I am going to say he is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons next year. That's why I like
2: sure. it. I okay,
1: like no. it. All right, well, Matt. Well, Mike and I are 100% on the same page here. Uh, right. I think it's I think it's Mayo and I think it's the Falcons, but I will throw out kind of my dark horse. Um, and Pat and I had talked about this before, but Mike, I want to I get your thoughts on this. We're looking at a team that could be a contender, but that might have some coaching issues after this weekend, a team that needs a boost to its defense, a team with a quarterback that we've already heard Bill Belichick connected to before, Is the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, steal it. Can't believe it. Shouldn't let you go if (laughs) If they lose this weekend, I don't know how things would work with Howie Roseman and Bill Belichick, and I think that would be a really complicating factor, but that's a team that's ready to win a championship with a couple right moves. And an improvement to their defense. And I I know there were ties with Bill and Hertz back at the draft back in 2020. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we've seen him use the mobile quarterbacks before. And he loves that. And Mm -hmm. what I think think he's learned the A.J. Brown mistake at this point, too. I think he'd love to have A.J. Brown. So I think that'd be fun. I think he ends up in Atlanta. But I think Philly would be fun if that was on the table.
0: Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I'm kind of with you. and I know, Pat, that, that's what you were going to say. But
1: yeah. yeah, I
0: heard someone, I think it was Nick Wright say, like, talking about Nick Sirianni, who I think he's done a hell of a job the last couple of years being there, brought him to a Super Bowl, what have you. They started the year 10 and one, But I think Nick Wright was the one who said, like, well, if he's gone, is anybody going to hire Nick Sirianni? And like, I don't know. Like, is he that much of a, you know, a, a huge head coaching candidate? So that's why I think they might move on from him. Uh, it would be kind of shocking. But that was floated again today. So That is a perfect ready-made team, probably one of the best rosters in football for Belichick to go and and snag a few wins.
2: Yeah, and look, I I I do think I'd love to say that it's going to be Vrabel, Um, and I think that there's a chance, there's an outside chance that it could be Vrabel. But after what we heard about Mayo, I mean, it wasn't an accident that that stuff got released, right? Phil Perry said immediately it's going to be someone that you know that. The crafts are very familiar with that they have a good relationship with. That could be either Mayo or Vrabel. They have a great relationship with both of those guys, obviously. And so I think you have to take a long, hard look at Vrabel. But I also think that, you know, Mayo could make sense. He's in the building already. If he has the respect of the guys, which again, I don't know if he does, but it sounds like he does, right? Um, and so for me, I look at that and think, okay, if it's Mayo, it's Mayo, and then we kind of go from there and see what happens. Um, and again, may, and I mentioned this already, but maybe, maybe Vrabel comes and says, I'll be the D coordinator for a year. I'm getting paid two years by Tennessee, anyways. I don't love any of these jobs that are open. And so, what am I going to do? Go be the Chargers head coach? Like, whatever, but like, so what? You know, why am I going to go there? Or do I want to really want to go to Atlanta with Arthur Blank breathing down my neck or whatever? You know, so I don't know. Uh, I'd be surprised if Mayo did that, but at least it's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, the Eagles thing is is interesting for me. For Bill, I do think that that's a that's a great roster. I love Jalen Hurts. I think that he would work well with Jalen Hurts. I believe Hurts got taken before. Did Hurts get taken before um, Duggar? Correct. And they were. I think that yeah, they were so, going to yeah. take him at that spot if he lasted to them, which he didn't. So, uh, nevertheless, the other team. And my dad texted me, my dad and I were talking about this earlier, and he mentioned this team as well, because Adam Schefter did come out and say that there are there's at least one team that's very interested in Belichick that hasn't fired their coach yet. And I think in a similar situation, in the same exact division, is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And you're in a situation where you have a hell of a roster, you have the closest thing to Lawrence Taylor that we've seen in the league since Lawrence Taylor left. And Mike McCarthy stinks. If they somehow lose in the first round of the green Bay Packers, Mike McCarthy's not surviving the weekend. And so that would be the perfect spot. He's following in Bill Parcells, footsteps and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's interesting for me. Um, I think NFC East. And I think the NFC South, I, think, I really think the Falcons job makes a lot of sense, but those, the NFC East and the NFC South makes, makes a ton of sense to me. Um, and so we'll see where they go, but again, I I, I lean kind of towards that Philly or Dallas spot because they're good teams. If he wants to win, okay, you can go to Atlanta, but now you have to sign Kirk Cousins or how are you right. gonna get a quarterback, right? So that's that's what we gotta figure out. So anyways, so all right, well Mike, thank you so much. Before we go, before you go, where can people yeah. read you and hear you and find you and everything else?
0: Oh boy, uh we're can't you at this point. No, uh, we got uh let's see. You can read all my stuff, Pat's coverage, everything, W E I uh six rings and football things podcast with Fitzy and Andy Hart. Uh we'll be there basically, you know, all week, all day trying to figure out what's going on with the pads. So you can listen to that, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And uh follow me on Twitter at my Catholic, where you can, you know, read all my uh on my Patriots takes and agree or disagree with them whatever you want
1: to do but i love it i love it and you'll get updates on the uh, on the running too yes yeah come come for the patriots takes.
2: stay for the updates on the marathon training that's correct i love it i love it so all right mike well thank you so much we appreciate it thanks for coming through uh love having you we'll have to have you on again soon all right i don't know what i think we may have lost them there see you mike all right. That was awesome. He's a great guy. We love having Mike on the show. Uh, we're going to get into a break and then when we come back from the break. We'll just do a, little, a few more things um, about kind of there's a few more things I want to touch on. And then we'll kind of get you guys out of here. We'll do the last few segments and get you guys out of here. All right. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit fanduel.com boston And make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Iowa, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelpline.ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right. That was great. We love we love having Mike on the show. He's a great guy. So um, so we listen, we've gone back and forth about Belichick, the coach, and rightfully so. He's a great coach. I think Belichick, the GM, doesn't get as much credit. And I know Kraft said something about, you know, Bill not getting the full reins until after the third Super Bowl, which I really hadn't heard until today. Um, But. It, that's that's interesting to me I'm, I'm a little surprised to be completely honest either, that that's that that's actually the case um but nevertheless i was going back and forth because whatever you know talking about people talk about how you know brady's the only reason that belichick was any good and so and of course all the crazies come out today and it, we were talking about this before the show mike uh, mike matt and um close enough i know well you know it's touching them um and uh you know, you go back to some of those teams, those 03, 04 teams, where they both went 14 and 2 and won the Super Bowl and, you know, won 21 straight games and the whole nine, right? And that 03 team, okay, I was looking up stats and it's almost unbelievable when you look at the numbers. That 03 team allowed 21 offensive touchdowns. When they were on defense, they allowed 21 touchdowns and they forced 36 turnovers. I mean that's that's gotta be the that's one of the most insane defenses I've ever seen. They let Moy Malloy go. They sign Rodney Harrison. They just, you know, Richard Seymour comes in on his own. Ty Warren's there. Like that team was an absolute wagon. And the offense was great. And the defense was incredible. And then they got better the next year when they added Corey Dillon on an offense. And they just I mean, th- those two years are two of the best teams that football's ever seen. Um, but that O three yeah. defense, especially the numbers, but that O three defense is outrageous.
1: Yeah, and I think you know, even you go a year forward too, the the O four defense second in points allowed mm-hmm. defensively, despite having an insane rash of injuries at the cornerback yeah. position. Obviously, Ty Law is the guy who headlined to that, but they had to put Troy Brown in a defensive back, and they had right. a, a defense that shut down what at that point was the greatest offense we'd ever seen in the NFL led by Peyton Manning that season, tearing it up through the air, holding them to three points in the playoffs, right. being able to to do that as I think as a as a GM and a coach is that's yeah. both for Bill being able to get depth at the cornerback position and identify traits in his players, uh, knowing that Troy Brown can do that and, and getting that out of them and the the coaching aspect of that too, just incredible stuff. Uh, Right,
2: and listen. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that he's lost an edge since Brady's gone. There's no doubt, and I'm not denying that, and I'm not sitting here saying that Bill should still be the coach. But what I am saying is that, you know, I think people people soon forget. People forget very easily. The 2001 Patriots set a record for the most return touchdowns in the history of the NFL, and I believe that record is still standing for uh, for defensive special teams. They played three postseason games. They scored three offensive touchdowns, three. So, like, it's not as though they were a dominant offense. And, of course, Brady gets hurt in the AFC Championship game, and the first game is a snowstorm and whatever, right? But the, the fact is, is that, you know, that defense and special teams really saved them. I mean, they scored two touchdowns against the Steelers, right? And so that's where you start looking at it and saying, like, Okay, well, doesn't that matter? You know, pick six in the Super Bowl, right? And so, those are the things that I look at and say, "All right, two special teams touchdowns against the Steelers, a pick six against the, against the Rams in the Super Bowl, you know, and and one touchdown in the in the uh, in the game, you know, in the snow in New England." And I just think, you know, you don't give Bill enough credit for that stuff. Now, again. Brady in 2017 and in 2016 and in 2018, of course was great. Of course they won the Super Bowl 13 and three in 2018, but that doesn't matter because Brady was incredible. He's no doubt. But to say that it was all Brady and no bear was is stupid. And then to use the argument that it's because Brady went down to Tampa who by the way, went seven and nine the year before James Winston turned the ball over 36 times, 36 times and they won seven games. So like, they I mean, already I mean, had a great I mean, team, and then they had Antonio Brown, and then they had a Gronkowski, and then they added Leonard Fournette, and all of a sudden they were unstoppable. And so it's just kind of like, yes, Brady's incredible; he's the goat. So was Bill, and I'm convinced. And it's we'll never know because it didn't happen. But I am convinced that if they were separate, if Bill would have had a different quarterback and and Brady had a different coach that they would never be the players that they are. I do think no, they, they Brady don't. would have won a Super Bowl and Bill would have won a Super Bowl at least. But I don't look at it and I don't look at it and say, oh, that you know, Bill would have won eight Super Bowls. No, it's stupid. That's stupid to think that. And to think that Brady would be the guy somewhere else, I, I think is is equally silly.
1: Yeah, and it's look at the number of kind of goat-level players that Bill Belichick touched. Lawrence Taylor, we start there, we go back, the, arguably the greatest defensive player to ever play this game. Obviously, Tom Brady, or you ask Tom, he's not the player he is today without what Belichick was able to do for him, the way they were able to read defenses together, analyze tape, and mm-hmm. and go through the process, and every everything that came with their relationship. Rob Gronkowski, I tend to find that talent, drafting, developing him, taking what is um, a somewhat unique personality and fitting that in into the NFL world in a professional way and making it work, which you know applies to Lawrence Taylor as well with uh, his yeah. yeah. field shenanigans. Uh, as you go to special teams, you know, he didn't uh, develop Vinatieri, but Steven Goskowski is not a hall of Famer, but one of the great kickers of this era. And Matthew Slater, who uh, for what he did, his specific role in special teams is the greatest of all time at that. And that's all under Belichick. Um, and it's, you know, it's, the fact that he's had so many great players play for him doesn't take away from Bill Belichick's legacy. It adds to it. These guys are great because they play for him. It's not the only reason why. They have, obviously, innate abilities on their own. Um, but right. the the fact that these things came together is what enabled that greatness. And it goes to so many people in the front office and the coaching staffs as well that he had. Um, obviously, the last five years kind of Sour at the way things happened and some bad moves, but we're talking five out of twenty-four here in New England. Like well, and yeah. that's the thing,
2: it doesn't it doesn't wipe out what happened in the past, right? So, no, like, no. yes, it's been bad, but it doesn't wipe out what happened in the past. Also, old man mob apparently <laughs> commented almost exactly the same thing I said about the bucks. I didn't even see it. Um, <laughs> but good good call apparently it was before I said what I said too. So yeah, so good call yeah. over there, old man mom. Great minds think alike, as we say. Um yeah. so but but no, it's uh, um You know, it is is one of those funny things for me that, you know, you tend to, we tend to look at it and just see, what have you done for me lately? That's what the NFL is, right? What have you done for me lately? And I get that. I understand that. And that's why Bill Belichick is no longer the head coach of the New England Patriots. Like, I understand. But again, when we talk about it, it doesn't have to be, well, he sucked. it, It was all Brady. And it's like, well, I mean, I don't know, like, was it? And, and, you know, and and DeLuna just said too, like, was people still doubt Bill if he goes to one of those great teams, right? If he goes to the, the, to the Cowboys, or if he goes to the Eagles and wins now, will people still discredit him? And, And my answer to that question should be no, because those teams can't win. And if he goes there and wins with them, to me, then that's, that's the situation. So, I just I look at it and just think I'm rooting so hard and someone said this already and I, don't, I, I can't go back and find it. But I am rooting so hard for Bill to win one more championship to go somewhere and shut all those stupid ass fans up that have said that it's it was all Brady and no Belichick. And I, Ashton said it a little bit earlier. It will stop that debate. That debate ends if he wins a championship. That debate is over because Brady did the same thing somewhere else. Now Belichick does the same thing somewhere else. And if that's the case, you know, like I'm not like it, it's just shut everyone yeah. up. That's what I that's what I'm. Yeah. For.
1: yeah. Now, did you I don't know if I was thinking about this earlier, Pat, but I, I noticed that when we started having this debate was like 2017 ish. I feel like yeah. is when that started happening. You know where else? You know, you know what else was happening around that time? Brady versus Manning debate had already been settled. right? And the Brady versus um, Montana debate at that point, <laughs> once Brady hit five rings, yeah, was settled. That yeah. one is over. And so it was like, all right, the only thing we can debate now is which part of this greatness is responsible for di- different amounts of it, which I think... It just goes to show, you know, we got too much free time on our hands to debate this stuff. Uh, And I also, I also think there's a certain like, did you did you watch the Last Dance, Michael Uh, Jordan documentary? Some of
2: that. I didn't watch all of it, but I did watch some of it.
1: There's a certain the Last Danceification of this, where like that whole documentary talks a lot about the struggles between the head coach, the front office, and Michael Jordan, and the way that those all things all came together. And I think people kind of view the Patriots through that lens. Which doesn't make sense, and especially should not make sense after what we saw today. You know, right. you don't, you didn't, you didn't have that with the Bulls with Michael Jordan and the owner, and, and you know, and the coaches and guys saying, "Hey, you know, we're you know, a bull forever" or whatever. This is the last. This is it for Kraft in New England. Not Kraft, Belichick in New England, and yeah. it could be negative, and it wasn't. Kraft talking about their relationship getting closer, mm-hmm. and both guys getting choked up while they talk and. It's clear that the reason this organization has been as good as it has been for the last 25 years is because you got an owner who's one of the best in football. He had a coach who's the greatest of all time in football and players who were some of the best in football, including the quarterback, Tom Brady. And it's the fact that all of those things came together. It's the ultimate team sport. You need it from the the top of leadership down to the role players and personnel guys and you know, video cut up guys in the back, you need all those guys able to contribute. And they've been able to get that on a consistent basis for 25 years. I mean, we're talking about for 18 years in that run, it was they were so good at all of those details that they would be one of the two best teams in football 50% of the time. Yeah. Look at how ludicrous that is for a sport with this much luck, and you know, an oblong ball that can bounce any way it wants on the field, and yeah. games decided by inches. Um, it's so ridiculous. And it's a testament to everybody in this organization, and it's sad that it's over. Uh, but you know, next stage is going to be exciting. It's going to be right. different. Will it be That's good? Right. No idea. Uh, but we're gonna. It's going to be different. We're going to see some new things out there that we haven't seen, and um, looking forward to, to
2: seeing what the next steps are. Agreed. Uh, all right. So we have a we have a, a live stream update here. Uh, Ed, <laughs> Ed chick says if Bill wins another championship as head coach, I'll eat a football. So I'm telling you right now, Ed, I'm holding you to that. You're on the screen right here. Here you are right here. We will track you down. If Bill Belichick wins a championship, we will get you on the live stream and you can eat a football live on YouTube on this- <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, also, uh, great content. Maka says, "Why are Coach Belichick's two Super Bowl wins not with the with the Giants not counted when Brady's with the Bucks counts?" And I agree with you. And, and uh, Ma Football Guy says that he was he was the DC, which is true. He was the defensive coordinator. Yeah. His defensive game plan against against the Bills is in the Hall of Fame. It's in the the Pro Football Hall of Fame. His defensive game plan was so good that it's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's so good to a point. That I remember Diawsi telling this story, and uh, Steve Diawsi telling the story, and and um, they got you know goal to go situation with the Bills. They call timeout, and Bill comes over and he says, "Okay, first down, they're gonna run this play. Second down, they're probably gonna run this play. Third down, you're gonna see this guy come in. Then they're gonna run this play, and then fourth down, they're gonna go for it again, and they're gonna run this play." And he said all four plays were right, and we stuffed them at the goal line. And it's like I don't know how he did it, but he knew what they were going to do before they did it. Four plays before they did it, he knew what they were going to do. And so it's one of those things where you look at it and just say, man, like he was that good back then, that good back Mm -hmm. then. And, And, you know, that's one of those things where it's like, yes, he wasn't the head coach, but defensive coordinator-wise, he was really was that he got, good, and that much of a, of a reason that they won.
1: When's the last time you saw a coordinator get carried off on the shoulders of right players? Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's like it's it won't count towards his record uh, in the same way it does for Brady because course, Brady yeah. played, and for record we we when it comes to like record and games we count QB and head coach only. Essentially, we don't really do it for anybody else, but. Bell Bill has those rings. He physically, I assume he still has them So He does. physically has those rings. Yep. Um and he earned them and he's been fantastic. Before we go, before we get into our last segments, can we yeah. touch on the Vrabel versus Mayo thing too? Because we didn't we got into it a little bit, but I'd like to yes, sir. You, sure right, before, before we we do,
2: Ed go. asked about go to the Giants, and I think that's an interesting that's an interesting idea yeah. as well. The Giants obviously haven't fired Brian Daywell. I don't know if they will. And I don't know if Bill would want to go to the Giants because you're kind of stuck with Daniel Jones in that situation. Yeah, or Maybe you will, maybe right you right are, now. maybe you aren't. But I think you're probably stuck with Daniel Jones. And I don't know how much he would be intrigued by that. It is the Giants, though. And we know that Bill loves the Giants. And so I think that theres it's not outside the realm of possibility. It would just be surprising based on what the roster looks like. If he wants to win right now, you're in what is a challenging division with two good teams. I just, yeah. I would find it unlikely for him to go to the Giants, even though like the sentimentality of it, sentimentality of it, I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. you got very right. sentimental for him to go back to the Giants. But I just, I don't know if, if, if that's the right spot for him.
1: And if sentimentality were that big to Bill, I think he would have done what it took to stay in New England. Yeah, too. Sure, um, sure. I think he's willing to go somewhere new here. Um, and yeah, I think Atlanta makes sense for, for the Mayo versus variable thing. I was, I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier. And I'm, I side with Mayo here, I think. Uh, that's at least the way I lean. Yeah. Pretty simply because from what we can tell, there's a decent culture in that locker room, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. And they got good things going on that side of the ball. And this is one of the rare opportunities where you can fire a coach and keep some of your culture, leadership, whatever, however you want to phrase it, sure. intact. You can always hire somebody from outside the building. That's always an option for you in the future. Uh, and with what we've heard Mike Vrabel say about New England, I feel like you could pretty much attempt him to come to New England at any point you want if you love him as a coach. And New England, as long as the crafts are owners and seem to be doing a good job like they've been doing, will always be a desirable location. And you're not going to have a hard time hiring guys who are considered quality. Yeah. So this is your one time to hire somebody who could be a long-term answer who already has stuff in the building and makes sense. And if he doesn't work, you got a, you got a lifetime to figure out anybody else from outside the building, from a new culture to, to do it if you want. Um, and the other thing with Mayo is that the issue with the culture is on offense. And um, I think, I think the real wild card here, there's kind of an assumption that it'll be McDaniels or Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator. And the interesting thing would be if that doesn't happen, if they go outside the building and overhaul the offensive staff, don't think it happens but i don't think we can rule it out yet and i think that's something to keep an eye on um you know because there have been tensions there and especially if there's a new gm coming in uh not if when the new gm comes in whoever it ends up being and that is something i have no read on i'm just going to wait for the announcement wouldn't be shocked if they're saying hey you know i want i want my guys on offense um and i think that'll be a, a point where i mean i said it the Last time we talked before, we knew it was going to happen. You need everybody on the same page when it comes to the offensive style. That's that's the number one goal. Here is your next step, and mm-hmm. the last thing you want is to keep Bill O'Brien because he's there, and you get a GM in the building who prefers a different style of offense, and the quarterback you draft is somebody who fits that style of offense and doesn't fit Bill O'Brien, and and then you're just trying to adjust things on the fly. Like that's not that's not what we want here.
2: Right, right, and listen, I think it's a good point. By you, I really do. Um, And, you know, I think it makes sense. But at the same time, I, you know, I question whether, well, I I guess the real question for me is, how good can he be? And I don't know the answer to that question, right? It's, It's an unknown right now. I think the biggest thing for me depends on who do you get as a GM, who do you get as an offensive coordinator. those are the two questions for me that matter the most because, you know, I really do think that the GM and the offensive coordinator are going to be the two biggest pieces in this puzzle because you need to fix the offense and you need to be more aggressive than the Patriots have been in acquiring talent. And so I think that those are going to be the two biggest question marks and we'll see where it goes from there. Vrabel and Mayo are both defensive head coaches. Yeah. But, It seems like they're both open to more open and aggressive offenses, I think, based on what I've heard. heard. And so if that's the case, let's see what we can do uh, on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Now, if Mike Vrabel is bringing in uh, Arthur Smith, the old Atlanta head coach, that I have no interest in. I just and it's frustrating, too, because I actually used to really like Arthur Smith's offenses. But the things he did well all went away this year. Like yeah. if they if they got back to the old things they did well, then maybe I can get on board with that and I can see how it would work. But I don't. After what we saw last year, that seems risky. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm. I i do not know that. I think the other, the outside name here for offensive coordinator would be somebody like Wes Welker, who now has 100%. a ton of experience and. Yeah, it brings you up to an, an interesting situation where your coaching staff could be Rod Mayo, Wes Welker, Demarcus Covington, and. You know that's uh, a nice young coaching staff cool. to lead this up, and um, and yeah. he's under the I Shanahan see.
2: tree. Like we, you know, we talk about wanting someone from the Shanahan tree. Maybe Wes is that guy from the Shanahan tree, right? Obviously well, no, no. has history here, and so we'll see.
1: Yep, and I don't, I don't necessarily think we need somebody from it. I'm, I'm pretty impartial when it comes to the scheme they run at this point, yeah. because just based on what we've seen in the past. Like, I just want give me a cohesive scheme that everybody's on the same page with that everybody's on board with, and we're going to get players to fit this and we're going to try to do it because that's better than what they've been doing. And I don't, I don't know how much value there is in being the eighth or ninth team in the NFL running a Shanahan offense. Then you're just getting into, you're you're fighting with a lot of teams for the same types of players and it becomes difficult. So yeah, uh, there's, there's merit to zigging when everybody else zags and going for, I don't know, a, a ground and pound running attack. So something like what the lions do, it doesn't have to be like Ben Johnson specific, but that's kind of where Arthur Smith has had been good in the past. That's where Josh McDaniels had been good in the past. That's where his, his his best stuff is his run game stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I can go a lot of different directions with this. I just want to see an idea. Let's, let's have some conviction behind something.
2: Yeah, I agree. Also, Deluna asked about Vrabel as a GM. I can't imagine that happens. Uh, I'd be shocked if Vrabel came in as as the GM. Um, and so I I would kind of dismiss that one off the off the way. I just think that that's not going to happen. Yeah. They did also ask about um, uh, what Fields. You know what's going to happen with Fields and the Bears, and that's not a discussion for this podcast. We will get into what the Patriots are going to do at three. I think that they have a ton of different options and of course there's going to be um some different things that happen right i look at it and just think like okay this could be interesting um and they're they could go in this direction they can go in that direction and so there's a lot of different directions they could go in i, I just do look at it and think um that they're going to do something with the bears whether it's trading for justin fields or whether it's trading up to number one We'll talk about it. But I just think that that's – I don't want to get into that now because it opens up a whole can of worms. But I do think that that's – the majority of what we're going to be talking about over the next few months, I think, is going to revolve around the Chicago Bears.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be big here. Um, so we'll see. I also note, um, just while we're doing miscellaneous stuff here, yeah. Mac Wilson had posted a picture of Gerard Mayo, I think on his yep. Instagram story or something, in support, which is, you know, I think yeah. notable. I am – shocked at how much Mac Wilson seems to become like a culture guy for this team and yeah. a relatively important piece and yeah, you know, if the guys on defense like Mayo and will rally around him as a head coach then I'm full on on board with that hire uh, you can get offense by hiring a good offensive coordinator I think there's questions about what Mayo is going to do as a head coach but Unless you've been a head coach before, there's going to be questions about everybody. And Mike Vrabel, who's been a head coach before, still has plenty of questions. He's done a lot good there. He's done a lot that there's some questions. So, yeah, um,
2: it's, it's one of those, it's one of those hard things for me that, you know, I don't know in which direction they're going to go, but you do want to kind of listen to what the players want. And so I wonder, you know, what do those players want? You saw Kendrick Bourne tweet out something about Belichick and how, he loves Bill and so on and so forth. And he says, you know, let me know where you're going and I'll pull up. Right. Yep. And, he, and so that was interesting. Right. That He talked about wanting to come back to New England, but does he really want to come back to New England or does he want, does he want to play for Belichick? So that's interesting. Old man mob saying that Jamie Collins, right. Retweeted something he, about or quote tweeted he, something and said that, you know, he'll be back. They'll be back in the playoffs. Year one. Yep.
1: J- Jamie Collins, playoff bound first year. Remember this tweet, quote, tweeting the rap uh, yeah. tweet earlier about May uh, Mayo being the next guy.
2: Right. Right. So so we'll see. But I think it, it's going to come down to what the Crafts think, what they see in the locker, room, what type of culture builder is Mayo? Is Mayo actually a real leader in the locker room? And I think he is. But do they think that he can be a leader moving forward? Um, And can he yeah. be the guy? And take right. that step from defensive coordinator to head coach. Remember now, you're not going from defensive coordinator to of the Texans to head coach of the Patriots. You're going defensive coordinator of the Patriots to head coach of the Patriots. So it is a little bit different because you're now people are going to look at you differently. Obviously you're still a head coach, but people are going to look at you differently. And so I think that that's, there are some questions there. And, and when questions we, there.
1: When we talk about that. I think the thing that makes me worry here a tiny bit, if it is going to be him, if you keep Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien was a coach there when Mayo was a player. And I think you worry about yeah. the, the hierarchy and the, the dynamics between the two of those. And, I'm sure Mayo is perfectly capable of being, um, you know, the the figurehead right. there. Yeah. But Bill O'Brien is a guy who's not just been a head coach in the NFL before, but like a winning head coach in the NFL with seniority and a guy who literally coached ahead of Mayo for the same organization. Um, if that's something that's going to ruffle feathers at all, if that's something that's going to be an issue, that has to be addressed now. You can't. You can't go into the season with that being a concern. Yeah, Um, because we're not, but two years in a row now of dysfunction with the offensive coaching staff, and that's that can't happen. I can deal with bad players. I can deal with bad draft picks. I cannot deal with a bad system and structure on offense.
2: I agree. Couldn't agree more. By the way, Team Six One Seven pointed out to me that uh, Draw Mayo is not the head the defensive coordinator. He is correct about that, but
1: he's He's kind of the defensive defensive coordinator, coordinator, right? So. they Not just title, don't but, give out the title, but right, yeah, they right. basically, they basically have co-defensive coordinators that
2: kind of share
1: it with he and Steve Belichick, as far as we're aware from here.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, all right, let's get into, let's get into our last segments. This has been a great show. Um, it's been, it's surreal. It's been surreal to be honest with you. It, it doesn't feel real yet. I'm sure it will. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those interesting things. So let's let's get into our final segments and then we're going to have this whole off season to talk about who the coach is going to be, who, you know, the Patriots are going to draft at number 3 or if they're going to move or whatever. So we got we got a uh, we got <laughs> a bunch of shows coming at You don't worry about that. So uh let's get first into our um into our prop bets. So just to do a recap on the prop bets. Um we did 3 last weekend and the reason why we did 3 is because I was 3 behind you in the last week of the season. Um and one of us went 0-3, which was kind of cool. It was me, so that didn't help. Um, But, uh, but I went 0-3. You went 1-2. and You had Sam Donald over on the touchdowns, Josh Allen over on the touchdowns, and Falcon Saints under. Um, There's Sam Donald one hit. The other two did not. Mm-hmm. I had Alec Pierce over 28.5 receiving yards. He didn't even have a catch. <laughs> James Cook over 68.5 rushing yards. Nope. And Eagles minus ten and a half, so that one that was really bad. Um, so I finished the season eleven and twenty six, <laughs> which is so terrible. And you finished the season fifteen and twenty two. So um, for those of you that didn't know or under or remember what what is going to happen sometime this spring, I am going to run and pass the Patriots conditioning test uh, for offensive and defense linemen. So that's going to be interesting. Um,
1: I- I'm glad I avoided that one.
2: <laughs> I have to figure out exactly what it's going to be. I'm not hundred percent sure what it is. I got to figure out what it is, um, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be tough, but you know, we'll have to start training for it. Maybe I'll have to train with Mike and uh, he'll be running a marathon. I'll be getting ready to run the, uh, the Patriots conditioning test, but, um, but yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So, but we were going to do just, just a little, I don't, we're not going to do any sort of competition for it, but I do think it's interesting to, um, to kind of go through and pick, the um the winners this week, and we'll kind of we do start, it all kind of do it all. Do we,
1: we do. do we want to do, do winners losers for the playoff games, or do we want to do against the spread? Think, I'm fine I other think,
2: way. I think ATS is easier. You know, against the
1: spread. All right, yeah.
2: yeah. All right, you so, got them
1: up, or you want me to pull
2: them? Um, go ahead, yeah. Go
1: ahead and pull them up. All right. So we'll we'll start with the afternoon game, which they always put the Texans in the Saturday yes, afternoon game when they're in the playoffs every single time. The Browns are favored by two and a half points in Houston. Who are you taking?
2: I am taking the Cleveland Browns minus
1: 2.5. I am with you there. I'm definitely taking the Browns. Um, I like this Houston team. I think if they had any other matchup in this spot, I'm probably picking them, but this is the worst case scenario for 10%. Yeah. Uh, then later that night in the Peacock only game, which I hate, <laughs> dumb, so stupid, stupid, not, yeah, I'm not doing this. Uh, in what is currently projected to be a negative 30 degree wind chill in Kansas City, the Dolphins go into Kansas City. This is something Chiefs favored by four and a half points.
2: Where, where are um, you going? I'm taking the Chiefs minus 22 and a half. No, I <laughs> no, but the Chiefs minus four and a half, I the Dolphins may not score a point. Like, yeah. I, I just in that type of weather with the candy ass uniforms, uh uh-uh. uh.
1: Nope. Well, and it's and the Chiefs have a good defense. Like I and the the Dolphins are so injured. Yeah. Right now, yeah. this is. I mean, this was the worst case scenario for the Dolphins. I feel like. I feel like yeah, it would probably. have been so much more fun if we got Browns at Chiefs and Dolphins at Texans. I think those would be way more entertaining matchups for, sure. for us. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I think I think this is. I think my only concern picking this is that I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. But That's I will true. take the Chiefs to cover okay. this, Fred, at at four and a half points. We move on to Sunday. We head up to a cold, windy, and potentially snowy Orchard Park. I like that. The Bills host the Steelers. Bills are hosted, or not are favored by ten points. <sighs>
2: oh, god Um, all right. I don't want to do it, but I'm gonna do it. Steelers plus ten. Jesus. To <laughs> so we're all
1: We're completely in alignment right now. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, You know uh, what?
2: I I just I think that the Steelers play such ugly, terrible games that they're gonna keep it within like seven they're gonna keep it within under ten points. And that's the only reason why I think I'll take Steelers plus ten. I don't think they really have any chance to win the game, especially without TJ Watt. But I'll take the Steelers plus ten. I also wouldn't be surprised SW fan says the Bills are gonna win by twenty. I wouldn't be surprised to see that either. So yeah, it wouldn't
1: know. it wouldn't shock me, but with these weather conditions and the type of wind we're gonna see, like obviously we've seen Allen play well in that before, but yeah, I don't think yeah, the way they've played this year, I think the Steelers I think I think the Bills had previously been underrated, but are now a tiny bit overrated and Steelers aren't good, but they'll drag you down to their level. So I'll take the Steelers to cover. So and, old
2: man mob but, just oh, said that the game could be moved to Cleveland. I don't know. No, I don't they, think it will be. No, it um, won't.
1: They. It was reported earlier that that was false. Okay. Um, it will. Know it that, de- there are no. There's no contingency. They are playing this game in Buffalo. <laughs> well, there you go. I know
2: That's that cool. happened once or twice last year. Um, but you know. Yeah. Now this
1: is, uh, and th- there could be snow. That's what they're looking at coming in. Uh, lake effect Saturday into Sunday. Uh, I've been tracking this weather all week because I love. I love some bad weather playoff oh, football. I It's the I'll, best. It's the best. It. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so we're we're both taking the Steelers in that one. We go to the early or the or the late afternoon game on Sunday, which is Packers at Cowboys. Cowboys favored by seven. What do you think?
2: Give me the Packers plus seven. Interesting. Doing it, I'm doing it. I think I think it's a little crazy, but I'm I'm down for it.
1: I'm taking Cowboys here. I think they cover. I actually, my hot take on all this is that I think the Cowboys probably make it to like the NFC championship game here, or potentially beyond, depending on what the matchups look like. Like I think this is, I think think the bracket finally breaks nicely for them here. And Mike McCarthy, while not being the best coach in the world, I think is actually having probably the best season of his career. And I think we're going to see it here. Obviously still, still plenty of flaws in his his makeup there, but I kind of like the Cowboys in these playoffs. I'm taking them to cover. That's pretty much a guarantee that the Packers are winning this game. So,
2: yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I'm pretty bad at this, too. So, you never know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we got the Sunday night game. The revenge game. Jared Goff against Matthew Stafford in Detroit. Lions favored by three. How do you feel?
2: Just absolutely horrifying. Just absolutely horrifying. I I just... You know, it's it's just it's so frustrating because I want the Lions to win so bad. And now they have a tough matchup against the Rams with Matthew Stafford coming in. Friggin' Sam LaPorta got hurt. Like, I just – there's so many negative things against the Lions. I just can't possibly bring myself to pick against the Lions, though. I can't. So I'm taking – you said counts. three and a half? Yeah. I'm taking the Lions minus three and a half. I have or, to. Or three. Have to. Three. Okay, I have to because I have to believe that there is there is justice in this world, and that the Lions, having the first home playoff games in nineteen ninety three, are going to win and not lose to Matthew Stafford. But <laughs> I, I we'll see. But that's what I want to have happen. See,
1: I am rooting for the uh, rooting for the villain here. What I want in this game, what I'm predicting in this game, is that we're going to get a Matthew Stafford game-winning touchdown drive for the Rams to silence that crowd. Oh, God, that's horrifying. (laughs) I just – give me
2: the villain. Like that's that
1: to me is so much fun for him to go back into that building and shut them up. I think that would be – the Lions, have,
2: the Lions have figured out every single way to lose. They haven't done it that way yet. And so it makes sense, but like, but they also didn't do him wrong either. Like they moved on no. from him because they had to. They actually did right by him. You know, and no, so to lose to him is horrifying. Well, and that's that's what I
1: think. Like I think everybody's gonna go for the feel good story here, but this is a Rams team that has played well, and the Lions are a little bit banged up, and, and what the Rams can do offensively, I think, is a really perfect Match for what the Lions do poorly defensively, and I think yep. that could cause issues. Um, we might get a, a little bit of a, a high scoring game here. Last team with the ball wins type of thing. And oh, give man. me uh give me give me the Rams in this one. Give me the Rams plus three. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right, last game, right? Last game of the weekend. Yep. Uh Monday night game. Buccaneers hosting the Eagles. Eagles are favored by three.
2: Yep. Yep. I'm okay. going Bucks plus three doing yeah,
1: it. that's I'm definitely going bucks plus three. It's I saw a report earlier that Jalen hurts like hasn't been able to throw at practice and a j. Brown was out of practice. and I assume both of those guys are going to play. But if they are that banged up in the way the team has been playing,
2: yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look good. But I will say this is the perfect moment. This is the perfect spot for the Eagles to win a game, right? Like, this is who they were a few years ago when they beat the Patriots. Like nobody believed in them. Everyone counted them out. They're one of the best teams in the league. Then they started falling. Of course, that year they lost their quarterback. But like, you know, it's all those things and they just come together and figure it out. You know, yeah. but I mean, how cool would it be? Talk about talk about comeback stories. How amazing would it be if Baker played the Browns in the Super Bowl and beat the Browns in the Super Bowl? That would be incredible. If the Browns somehow made the Super Bowl mm-hmm. with Joe Flacco and then lost to right. Baker Mayfield, the guy that they got rid of, whew, yeah. that would be incredible. Yeah.
1: So, see, see if you look at if you look at my predictions here, what we're setting up is a pair of divisional games here where you're going to get Browns Ravens and you're going to yep. get Rams Niners next weekend. And sweet. I think that's a ton of fun because I think both of those one seeds are far and above everybody else in that division. But I also think the only the, the thing that can take them out is somebody in the division who knows them well and who can hit their pressure points, which I think both of those teams can. So I think that that sets up some drama.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. So, so we'll see. All right, uh, let's get to the trivia question, and then we'll and then we'll do this week in Sports history.
1: Yeah. And is this going to be our last trivia for this section? And then we'll, we'll do a winner and we'll start a new one.
2: No, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it all the way to the end of the playoffs and then we'll, okay. and then we'll pick the winner and then um, maybe we'll do, and maybe we'll do one for an off season one, too. Yeah.
1: All right. All right. Well, last week's trivia question uh, was which Patriot scored his first career touchdown over the jets in the final week of the 2020 season The answer was Devin Ossie Ossie. Shout out to TJ Pinder, who had that one first. The question for today, and I'll let you know, there's also going to be a bonus part of this. So uh, there's going to be two answers you can give. And so there's a bonus point that can be earned on this one. The first question, simple. Which team did the New England Patriots host in Bill Belichick's first game as head coach of the team? And the bonus question who scored New England's first touchdown in that game? So throw uh, throw,
2: throw your answers out there.
1: I love you know, it. We we'll get Yeah, we'll get that in.
2: Next not week. one you'd expect, by the way. This is not an expected no. one. No.
1: I I have a question for you here, Pat, because we, well, we're talking about future shows for us. Um, I feel like we should be doing a Monday show next week. No, not a Sunday show because we got a Monday night game.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I'm down with that. I'm down with doing a Monday okay. show. We'll do. We can do. I think we should. What I think we should do is, um, we should probably do like a shorter one and just recap. Though, I mean, unless something happens, just recap. Um, recap those ones. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Like recap the playoff games instead of doing anything else. You know. I like that. So, so yeah. All right, so um, you want to go to well we just did that? So let's do This Week oh. in Sports History. All righty. Okay. I'm on it. All right, here we go. I always have to forget the Don't Loop the Track. Here we go. <laughs> and now for something we think you'll really like, This Week in Sports History. All right, so I have one. um. I already told you what mine was, Matt, and and it's it comes with a story. So, 2015, which is now nine years ago somehow, uh, 2015 yesterday, which is uh, January 10th, 2015, the Patriots played a divisional game against the Baltimore Ravens, and of course came back twice down 14 uh, to win that game. Of course, that was the the uh, unbelievable. Throw from Edelman to Amandor. That was the uh, like one of the best passes that Brady's ever thrown as a Patriot. Um, and I think it gets overlooked. And so it just like, it was incredible. So, um, of course they win that game. The story that comes along with it is a much sadder story. Uh, my wife, so I had, at that time, I had a what, a, a, a just under four-year-old and a just under two-year-old at the time. And uh, it was, not you know, it was tough. It's fine, whatever. I'm like, I'm going to the game. My wife's like, I'm not feeling great. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to the game. Like, I'll be all right. Like, whatever. So I get a call with about three minutes left to go in the half. My wife is like, I'm going to be sick. Like, I know I'm going to be sick. I think I have the flu. Like, I, you have to come home. So call my mom, who was not at the game. My mom drove to Patriot Place, picked me up at the Renaissance Hotel. I left at halftime. She picked me up and drove me home. Shut my phone off. Shut the TV off. Everything. I just shut everything off. And I was like, I'll watch it later. And I ended up watching the game at home on tape delay, flipping out, of course, with the, you know, the it was it was incredible. That's- One of the most unbelievable games. And, and like, I've had seen tickets for the Patriots since 2000. I've been in almost every single home game since the year 2000. So I've been incredibly lucky. That one game, it, the energy, people say it's the best game they've ever been to ever. And I'm like, I missed the second half of that game. Like, God damn it. It wasn't a Mark Wahlberg situation where I just left because I thought they sucked. It was like I had to get home take care of the kids. But the funny thing is that the 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 mantra for that year was do your job. Right? Yeah. That was a monster for that year, and I was like, "This is it. This is my job? I'm a dad. I have exactly. to go home and take care of the family. Like it just the family yeah. takes to the football." But my goodness, I it's it's tough living with that one. It's tough living living. That's
1: a tough one to miss. I have I have fond memories about that game, watching that win with my dad because that was I remember watching the Ravens win the week before that and being terrified of playing them because. <laughs> yeah. And at that point, they had just beaten us in 2012 and given us a scare in 2011, yep. and they had beaten us in the 2012 regular season as well. And it was just like I want, what no part of these guys, and obviously 09 as well when they come in and yeah. stomp you Steam in the left. Like this is the one team you do not want. And it was yep. like this is the best Patriots team we've seen in a while. This is the one team you don't want. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the game is just insane back and forth. Um, that you get the the two 14-point comebacks, just like Brady in the Orange Bowl in his last game in college. Same type of thing. But I remember all season long, my dad and I kept talking about, hey, when are they going to break out the double pass to Edelman? We're like, we'd never seen it. We're like, we knew Edelman was a college quarterback. We knew that had to be somewhere in the playbook, and they got to dial it up at some point. And you know, any football fan knows, when you're watching a play and they throw the screen pass and you realize two things at the same time. One, that screen pass went backwards, and yeah. two, something looks off about this. And when right. the, when you feel those two at the same time, you know, oh, they're setting up for a double pass. That's what we're doing here. And I just, the second, my dad and I realized at the same time that that's, that's backwards pass to Edelman, and this looks weird, and something's going on. And the second that happened, we were just already out of our seats celebrating. We haven't been thrown yet, and we're ready for it. I love uh, it. Finally see it on that. That touchdown pass, I mean, which was what a season.
2: You talk about that game, and then to end it on Super Bowl forty nine, you know, having oh. an unbelievable game with the with the Seahawks and ending it with the Malcolm Butler interception. I mean, like, I don't think there's been a better playoffs ever for the Patriots. I mean, they absolutely annihilated the Colts. Of course, that was the stupid Spygate game, but like they annihilated the Colts in the AFC Championship game, and then played that. One of the best Super Bowls ever played against the Seahawks. I mean, it's, it was incredible.
1: It's just exhilarating run. You get the two yeah. fantastic games with the one blowout in the middle, which is yeah. fun. Like, you, that's it, a yeah. nice way to do it. Um, yeah. And after, you know, it, it's funny because growing up, the three original Super Bowls were like for my dad. But like, I don't really remember that. I remember the DVDs yeah. and I know right. all the mythology, but I don't really remember the actual yeah. game themselves. And to me, it was like, I haven't seen Brady win one, like in my memory, like since he got established as a legend, and it felt like every time they got close, something happened. It wasn't supposed to happen. Right. And that Ravens game felt like there's going to be another one where something's something's going to go wrong that shouldn't shouldn't be happening. And it happened and they still won the game. Yep. They pulled out everything they had. So fantastic, yeah. fantastic football game.
2: All right. What do you got? You got one. Uh,
1: yeah, we got I got a fairly recent one here too. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is I'm pulling from my page a day calendar again. Shout out Love to it. that. On this day in 2020, staying recent. Clemson upsets North Carolina. This is men's college basketball okay. with a 79 to 76 win in overtime at North Carolina. Whew. It ended a 59 game winning streak uh by North Carolina against Clemson at home. That's a streak that began in 1926. Oh my God, dude. Clemson was down by 10 points with two minutes left, tied the game up at the buzzer. They never led in regulation, and then they never trailed in overtime to get the win.
2: That's wild. What a, what a, I mean, dude, 1920 something? That's outrageous. That is outrageous. (laughs)
1: 59 straight home games. That's, That's some of that's college basketball for you.
2: Yeah. That's horrifying. Uh, well, yeah. they broke the curse. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Well,
1: while we're while we're talking about college sports, I got I'll got two things I'll mention. One, the hat I'm wearing, go blue Michigan. Go blue. The huge, the huge win <laughs> earlier this week, and a very, very fun national championship game. The other one, I feel like I'm kind of in a, a somewhat unique position here as a, a Providence College basketball fan to provide some advice to Patriots fans here. In that uh, the Friars had who we thought was our head coach for life on our yep. college basketball team last season. And he left after last year. And it's a whole a whole new era that we're in. And it's obviously not the same as the Bill Belichick situation, but kind of the recalibration for a season and the new things that come with it. And the new joys because it's a new coach and a new style. And also the new frustrations because there's things that this coach isn't as good at as the other ones. And I think that's something Patriots fans should expect next year, regardless of exactly how who the coach is and how good they are there are going to be things that next year's team does better than what this past year's Patriots team did. And that's going to feel great while it's happening. And there's also definitely going to be trade-offs because Bill Belichick is really good at what he does. And even if they hire a guy who ends up being here for the next 30 years as the head coach, he's not going to be as good as Bill Belichick right out of the box. There's going to be head-scratching decisions, even if he ends up being that guy. And it's going to be an emotional roller coaster, and it's going to be a very different Um, and it's an exciting one, but you know, this is, it's a new world and, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's an enjoyable experience to kind of get to learn. You get to learn to love something that you love in a different way. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, you know, there's a lot of question marks going into the off season, but that makes it fun. And honestly, it's going to keep us busy. Tell you that much. So, um, you know, we're going to have a lot of listeners this year. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So, anyways all right that's it thanks again yeah. people for tuning in we really appreciate it the chat was going crazy we love you guys uh thank you for making it more interesting you guys enhan- always enhance always enhance the show and so we appreciate you guys coming through um as always we see kind of those familiar faces and then we have some new faces pop in every now and again too which is cool so um so thanks again for that I, as matt said i think we'll, we'll be back monday night i think that makes some sense especially with the long weekend it's kind of like a sunday night um and so we'll, we'll do probably have
1: do halftime of the Monday night game. We'll that's keep what I'm thinking. Halftime of the
2: Monday yeah. night game, just like we do halftime on Sunday night. Um, And we'll go from there. And then, you know, maybe once the off season comes, we may not do two shows a week. Maybe we'll only do one, but we might still do two shows depending on, you know, what the draft outlook looks like and things like that. So yeah, we'll see. But, uh, but anyways, that's the way it goes. So thank you everyone. We appreciate it. And uh, you know, we're going to miss Bill Belichick like crazy, but, You know, now we have a second team to root for. Now we have Bill Belichick's team to root for. So it's
1: it's bittersweet, Um, and I'm I'm glad that they let him go out on his own terms. I will say I like I like that about Kraft for Brady and Bill. Yeah, trying they weren't trying to let them go out on their own terms, and they say, if if you love something, let it go. I feel like that's yeah, that's what's going on with these two. You know, when you're right,
2: like I thought. You know, we talked about them getting compensation back, but Kraft said, "You know, let him go away. Let him let him do his thing." you know, and, uh, and don't worry about the compensation, right. And let him kind of get his own job and not have to worry about dealing with us and everything. And so I think that that, that really kind of shows what craft is all about and how much craft respected bill in that instance. And so, um, so yeah, that's what we got. So anyways, so thanks guys. We appreciate it. And we will, uh, we will talk to you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.